This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Ladies and gentlemen, Billy Hallowell and Chris Field, the Church Boys. From the sublime to the ridiculous, but mostly ridiculous. And I hate these guys. <laughs> so we're, <laughs> we're back, I guess. <laughs> I'm watching Billy on Skype while the music's going. While we're starting, dun, 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 he's dancing, he's making these faces. Like he's I'm drinking coffee, I'm dancing. You're one of the, it's you a great one of the day. whitest people I have ever seen. <laughs> <sighs> Don't even. You can't even dance. A simple, just a simple dun, beat, and you still can't do it with anything other than your whiteness. So, <laughs> welcome back. <laughs> We're finally back. It's the church boys. We're We're late. We're here. We're here. We're not going skiing. That could be our new motto. Now, you don't know. Every time I say that, Billy gets this look of concern in his eyes. Like (laughs) he has said this again, and we're going to get fired. No, I'm just picturing Glad launching a campaign against you. So now the interesting thing, I don't know if it was Glad or not, but the story behind that, and this is sorry, and this. This is, uh, stop, sorry. I hit one of the wrong buttons here. The story behind that, it, it, it's a line that I learned from the old Don and Mike show. And it's a line that Don used all the time. <laughs> Was this in the 30s or the 40s, Chris? <laughs> this is back in the 2000s. So his, one of his favorite lines, the guy had a memory like a steel friggin' trap. But he came, he... He would say, we're here, we're queer, we're not going skiing. And I love that. And we don't have to use it as our motto, obviously. But I say that, and then Billy gets his look of control. Well, the story behind that is, back in the early 90s, Colorado passed some legislation that was considered anti-gay legislation. I don't even remember what it was. I don't know if it was a prohibition on gay marriage. I don't know if it was a a denial of benefits for same-sex partners. I don't know what the issue was. A cake denial. I don't know. But it was back in Colorado, back in in the early 90s. And the mayor of... Uh, Denver comes to wash to the to uh, Washington D.C. for a, a I think it was a meeting of uh, of of U.S. mayors like a, mayors of major cities had a meeting or whatever and and he, during a session he was leading or he was a part of this group of gay advocates come marching in to protest Colorado's whatever ungay friendly law that had been passed and so they saw him as the opportunity so they came in and they're saying they're they're protesting the tourism business of Colorado. So their their chant was, we're here, we're queer, we're not going skiing. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where, that's where that comes from. It's not an attempt to be offensive. It's an attempt to be funny. And I put funny in quotes, as we always do with this show. But so when we say, when I say, because Billy will never say it. <laughs> Billy's, afraid, <laughs> Billy's afraid of some words. <laughs> Are you periscoping this right now? You are. I can hear I am the echo. Periscoping it. I can hear the echo on the microphone. Okay. So anyway, we're we're here. We're not going skiing. <laughs> <laughs> Who comes up with a chant like that? What? So stupid. All right. Uh Anyway, so what was I gonna get into? Oh. So yes, we're <laughs> back. I don't know why he. So this is very distracting. I use we use Skype when we're doing this stupid show, and Billy's sitting here with his iPhone. <clears throat> His iPhone up to the. 
<laughs> up to the Skype. And he's just giggling and giggling. He's got his, and he's periscoping this this beginning of this show. So, Pedro, if you're out there, how you doing, man? Can anybody hear it out there? That's what I'm wondering. So, uh, do you have people even watching right now? I, we there have there were people. As soon as you started talking and the audio went on, we lost them all. <laughs> so, <laughs> they can hear you. I'm it kidding. Took, it took oh, a, no. It's growing. It's growing. It took approximately six seconds for this entire show to get derailed. <laughs> I can't. Why well, don't know why, why are you doing this? People are people are always saying bad connection. All right, this periscope is ending. You'll have to listen to the actual church boys when it happens. Goodbye. Oh man, you're killing me, Hallowell. Anyway, <laughs> okay. So, okay, so what, you were talking about no, something. I don't, I don't even know, know what. Back. Some some Christian we're, cultural no, thing. No, I don't think it was. <laughs> No, certainly not. So, uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, we're back. Hooray! Yay! We're about two days late. Usually we post this show on Saturday nights, and it's available for you for Sunday morning for your drive to church. You can listen to it with the kiddos. Uh, we, had some, <laughs> we had some difficulties last week. Difficulty, and I spelled difficulty H-A-L-L-O-W-E-L-L. Did I spell that right? Yeah, so, you almost spelled Halloween. For, I was like, why is he spelling Halloween? And then I realized you were spelling my name. Well, you, I, you could tell I paused to try to think about, how do I spell his last name? Because I started, I, I said the double L, and I'm like, wait, double L, double <laughs> W. No, wait. Sorry. See? Anyway. See? Well, you were, I mean, let's let's talk about how on Sunday mm. you decided that you were going to just go out and party Saturday night into Sunday, yes, and we me. couldn't party even animal. tape the show. I staggered into church on Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I started on the radio. That's rude. All right. Uh, anyway, so what was it? So, so we were supposed to usually we record on what Thursday, Friday, somewhere in there. Usually on a Friday. And so we were planning on recording last Friday, but Billy then said, "Can we record Thursday? Because something's going on Friday." And I said, oh, "I'm actually out of town." And at then, a party. Yes, at a party with my children. And um, and so Billy, I, what happened on Friday? Because I. Here's here's what we we went up to Silverwood and and if, if those of you who don't know Silverwood is a theme park in northern Idaho in Coeur d'Alene up near Coeur d'Alene it's actually in a town called Athol Athol Idaho A T H O L I did not lisp population 14 I know it's a little bigger than that it's like <laughs> 25 or 30 now but it's got a huge amusement Silverwood is this huge amusement park and I think it's the only I think it's the only Athol in the entire United States, because only Idaho would <laughs> See, name. Wait, when only, you said Idaho that in the, context, it only, actually sounded. <laughs> Idaho is the only state on the in the country. I'm pretty sure that would even come close to naming it one of its own towns, Athol, like they have a <laughs> lisp. So we go to Silverwood. It's a great park, by the way. They've got some amazing stuff there. Um, the Timber Terror is this huge old roller coaster that I think they got from Knott's Berry Farm. It's an enormous, at least at the time when they put it in, was the biggest all wooden roller coaster in the world, maybe. I don't know. They have a bunch of big roller coasters and water rides, and there's a big water slide park. It's just, it's, and it's very American, but it's, um, but it's fun. The kids loved it. So we went up Wednesday night and we stayed at a friend's cabin on the lake in Coeur d'Alene on Wednesday night. And we went up Thursday mornings, played all day there. The kids had a blast. Went back to the cabin on Thursday night and left. It's American. It's wait, yeah. it's American, but you know, we loved it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so we leave, we leave, we bust our butts. We bust our butts to clean the cabin, our friend's cabin. And then to leave 
Friday morning because I had scheduled with Billy that we would record Friday afternoon. I said, we can be home by noon, one o'clock, which would be, you know, three, four o'clock Billy's time. He said, yeah, no problem. So what do we do? We schedule our entire little trip. Listen, and to understand, this is the first real vacation day I have taken in the entire time I've worked at the Blaze. I have taken zero vacation days, I believe. So this was my first one. So we're, we took Thursday off and I'm figuring, okay, I'll work Friday afternoon, evening into the night, work on the radio, the podcast, get it all set up and everything. So I get home by noon so that we can record. And I get a text from Billy as I'm getting home. Yeah, we can't record today. What happened, Billy? How did you just ruin every, okay. my, my, my children's vacation uh, by making us leave uh, uh, early, like a day early. And uh, well, everybody else's, all the fans, you know, the six or seven fans we have ruined their <laughs> weekends as well. Well, you know, shout out to Pedro. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I, listen, I'm, so sad. I, I'm so sad. I feel like, you know, as we shared last episode, my wife had somewhat of um, a frustration, we'll call it, over the thermos that I ruined, which, by the way, an update on the thermos is that I had oh, I had apparently melted off the floral design on the outside of the thermos. The thermos was not ruined. It was just some flowers were missing from it. Oh, all right, good. So well, she was very upset about that, and I, did, and, and I didn't want to upset her anymore, but I don't know what happened Friday. My three, She's going to be three years old next month. My kid woke up in possessed by a gremlin i don't even know like absolutely miserable all day and my wife is you know 14 and a half years pregnant right, right now like right. eight and a half months pregnant so she was very tired and there was a lot going on up there i was in the home office working and it sounded chaotic so i went up to help my pregnant wife chris and that's why i derailed your vacation <laughs> that's nice of you <laughs> you sacrificed my children's happiness for your wife's happiness that's fine that's fine. I'll just have to explain to them. Think of it uh, this way. I gave them a reprieve from you. I'm sure they were ready for a break from their dad. <laughs> so, by the <laughs> way, so have you ever... Um, not, I, okay, now I sound like the irresponsible parent. Oh, I am. Have you ever lost your kid? Um, Yes. Is that the well, worst? Well, she, she runs away in Target a lot, so you have to really be on top of it. <laughs> so my little kid, so this is... Okay, I'm off track again. My sister... <laughs> My baby, you know, Ronnie, my, yeah, my sister, Ronnie. Yeah. She's, she's the baby of all the kids. She's the baby. And when she was little, we'd be at JCPenney's or Macy's or wherever, and she would just take off. So my mom and dad, they lost her once at Disneyland. She was shopping. Oh my gosh. Yeah. She's just a few <laughs> years old. She's just, she was gone. She wasn't concerned at all. She was shopping. But when she was little, when she's about, I don't know, two, we discovered a trick. And that was... At the, at the mall, there's always somebody, you know, like Shriners or somebody giving out free helium balloons. So we tie a helium balloon to her, and all you had to do was look at, make the string long enough. You look over to the racks of clothes, and there's this helium balloon going boing, boing, <laughs> boing across the store. There's Ronnie, so we go get her, you know. Uh, anyway, so no, so we're at Silverwood this last week, and we went to the magic show, the Nick Norton Magic. And by the way, I think his name is Nick Norton. He is amazing. We saw him a couple of years ago. And he actually lives in Athol, uh, in <laughs> Athol, Idaho. <laughs> Every time I say it, I can't. But in the off season, all of the this is according to him during his magic show. So uh, maybe he's tr tricking me. But um, he said that every off season, all of the major theme parks in the country converge on Orlando, and they have a comp like a competition, like best food, best attraction, best ride, best performance, <laughs> that sort of thing. And he won this last winter. He won best performance. So he's this incredible mu magician. 
And so we went and watched him. And we got done with the, with the magic show, and we walk out the door, and I can't find my just-turned-eight-year-old daughter. And I am like... Because my wife had gone to go get refills for the kids as we're leaving the, 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 the place, and I've got my son in tow. And I say to Colty, I said, little man, you go stand right there by that wall. Do not move from that spot. <laughs> so I went out. I'm searching the entire theater, the little the little restaurant area they have inside the theater. I go outside, and, and she's walking along the lawn looking for us. And I, I found her. She my, but your heart just sinks. It is the absolute worst to lose your kid. So, but she was smarter than daddy because she came back to where she, you know, we had been. Daddy's looking all over throughout the theater and at parts of the theater we weren't ever in. You know, of course, I'm assuming that somebody has kidnapped her and is trying to escape through, the, you know, a fire escape or through a Or that or she's something. fled you. Right. Well, which is, you know, 50-50. So, anyway, but she did the smart thing. She came back. She'd gone. She thought we were going to go have a little picnic, which we had talked about. But she came back to the theater and she's right there outside the door waiting, kind of looking around for us, see if we came out. But, of course, daddy's panicking. I'm not like, like like jumping up and down panicking, but in my heart, I'm like, oh, I was about ready to just die. Anyway, speaking of people <laughs> who run away, Mexico has a problem. So let's, oh, you know what? I didn't play our our uh, awkward transition music. Just a second here. And I'll try that. Okay, awkward transition <laughs> music. Mexico has a problem. <laughs> As does Central America. <laughs> people are running away. Yes, and South America. And so they're coming to the United States, and they're illegal immigrants. And there was this, there's a story that came out, and Katie Pavlich debunked this, you know, that came out about how you know, illegal aliens actually commit fewer crimes than average Americans. It's like, no, 100% of illegal aliens have committed crimes because they're illegal. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Why, whatever do you mean? So anyway, Billy, you've got a story, though, about something that, was, that a church is talking about with taking care of illegals. I... I, my eyes started, like when you speak of, the, like when you hear us speaking of the Beatles, my eyes began to glaze over as I read this, this kerfuffle amongst these pastors. Tell me what happened. <laughs> Sorry, I was mid-yawn. Um, bottom line is this. Pastor Robert Jeffress was on Fox News. This was Sunday, and he was on with okay. Richard Land. Uh, I'm sorry, Dr. Richard Land. And the two of them were discussing, uh, which is sort of interesting, this whole debate over churches and whether or not churches should be shielding, harboring, taking care of illegal immigrants. So, I mean, there are churches in this country that will shield them, let them stay there, um, defend them. And Robert. Yes. I mean, yeah. And, you know, I don't know to the extent I've read I've read select stories of, of this happening here and there. I don't know, like, how many churches are doing this. But the point is. Robert Jeffress, he had he had a couple of zinger quotes in this, and he's basically saying, and let me just read this one quote. Okay. He said, look, a lot of these liberal churches that harbor illegal immigrants who are criminals say they're following the example of Jesus. The only problem is they're following the Jesus of their imaginiz- imagination, oh my gosh, imagination, rather than the Jesus <laughs> of the Bible. Um, and then he continues, but I, I love this quote. He's like, Jesus was not this wimpy little guy who walked around munching sunflower seeds and saying nice things to people. <laughs> <laughs> the real Jesus in the Bible said, render unto, unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, that is, obey the government. Now, that gets tricky. When you, just, when you leave it there, it gets a little tricky. It but, it, but I think his point is sort of interesting about whether or not churches should be doing this. But Richard Land sort of shot back and said, well, you know, churches really don't need to be you know, looking for a green card before they extend mercy. He, he said, right. you know, you could, 
you could feed or give water to or possibly short term shelter people without violating, you know, your oath to the Bible and God. Right. Now, would Jeffers disagree with that? Would he say, no, listen, I'm not talking about, you know, if somebody's in need of a cup of water or a sandwich, I'll give them a cup of water or a sandwich. But we're not going to. That's what we're was not keep annoying about the segment. They didn't really. They, they didn't did. really have that discussion. It was a Fox and Friends discussion. Of course, they didn't get into it. <laughs> right, right. Solving it's the world's down. problems in three minutes and ten seconds. Yeah, exactly. It <laughs> each, was, you know. each break is three minutes and ten seconds. A, a minute and a half of which is this. Dominated was the by, sunfla- was, was the sunflower was seed dominated by teasers for the next three and a half minute segment. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen. I think. Yeah, I think they could be on the same page on this. The bottom line is, should a church really be aiding and abetting somebody who's violating the law long term? No, I think. But should a church feed or I mean, yeah, I think, you know, listen, if somebody's coming to you and they're hungry and they're thirsty. And also, I, I think what makes this complicated and I want you to disagree if you want to, but is that. You violate the law when you come somewhere illegally and you don't have papers and you haven't gone through the system. But at, on the same hand, you can kind of understand, okay, I get it. When there's drug wars and all these awful things, yeah. you want the best for your kids and you want to escape that. The problem is you're violating the law to do that. So I do think and, – and actually Robert Jeffers did say it's important to show compassion sure. to people. Yeah. There is a level of this that you understand why – some people, and I don't know everybody's motivations, but why some people are trying to escape their conditions, I think the problem is that you know you're violating the law in the process of doing that. And how should churches respond to that? Yeah, it's and and the churches have to work within the law as long as the law is not unjust and ungodly. At the same time, help people who are dying because you could make a case very easily. Hey, listen, so and so is going to die or is in the process of dying if I don't give them food and water. I'm not trying to help them break the law. I'm trying to help them live. I'm all for sending. I mean, that was Glenn's thing, right? When he did the the soccer balls right. and teddy bears that he got criticized by the Breitbart people for, and a whole bunch of other people. I mean, he lost well, what, a lot of fans over that. Well, one side, right? One side wants to say, "Oh, you know, let everybody in, open arms, let them flood the you know flood over, and they can then vote for us." Um, and the other side wants to say, you know, oh, nope, these are just cogs and we don't want them here. And this is, you know, I think yeah. there's got to be a middle ground on how you these are human beings who are in complicated situations many times, but they have violated the law. So how you treat that. And listen, I'm going to say something and I don't know the ins and the outs of every piece of of. I don't I don't like how certain things are pushed through government. Right. right. You know, when if Obama comes and says we're going to do this and has an executive action and executive order, I think that becomes problematic sometimes. But the idea of deporting, you know, 12 million, however many million of people, it, it's really complicated. And I don't know that it's the best solution. Making people wait in line for 13 years at the end of the line and all that. Some of that is interesting. Some of those proposals are interesting. But. The problem is still what message are you sending over the border? Because we right. saw the, that influx of yeah. kids last year, right? I know. Yeah. Yep. So, so it's complicated. I, I don't know that I don't know that the Democrats are completely wrong and that the Republicans are completely wrong or right on either side of this. And and I think that and and he got blasted for it at the time, but I think that he's largely right. And that's the self deportation thing that Mitt Romney talked about. He wasn't being insensitive. He's saying, Listen, if you enforce the law, these people will go back to their homes. If we and, and not just simply immigration law where you get deported, but say to employers, you may not hire illegal aliens. You may not do that. If you are stealing people's social security numbers, you will go to prison, right? Those sorts of things. If you were to enforce those things, they would start to self-deport because there wouldn't be opportunity here for them. Although the problem, and, and this is where I start to sound like Hillary Clinton, 
is and Chris Chris just cocked his head to the side and like tried to shut my mic off. The the problem is that you know when this when somebody did this 15 20 years ago, I mean I, I don't remember the the proportion of people, but a good chunk of these people at some point were legal. There was a portion of them that were legal and didn't renew their visa or whatever. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how it works, but they were they didn't renew their paperwork, right? That's on them. So right and it is on them, absolutely. Yeah. But I think where it gets a little bit complicated is if in that 20 year period they've had kids and their kids are teenagers and they've only ever known the US, it's going to be harder to get those people to self deport and leave. Yeah. No, I no that I agree. If, but if there's no job here for them, what and they can't live off they can't live off government subsidies because they can't get welfare or whatever else because of the fact we've enforced the law that you don't have a social security number because you're not here legally. You, you're, I mean, if we enforced actually all the laws other than the, we deport you if you're illegal laws, they'll deport themselves. They'll go back home because there's no resources for them. They can't get a job because employers wouldn't hire because it's illegal to do. And the government wouldn't give them welfare benefits because they're not citizens. Now, what if you were to say, we're going to shut the borders off. We're going to enforce it. We're going to enact all of the things you just talked about. But maybe what we'll do is allow the 12 million to get at the end of the line that are currently here and allow them just throwing that figure out because I don't know what the exact number is. Right. And and we and they get at the end of the line, they pay the fine, they learn the language, they do all of those things. But then from here on in, we shut the border off for new people. Um, there's two things. One, the, the, the agreement would have to be in the reverse. We have to shut off everything else first. Everything else has to get enacted before you offer the get in the end of the line and you get quote right. amnesty where you don't where you're not going to jail, you're, you're not being deported, you're not going to jail, none of this, but you're gonna go to the end of the line, we'll give you a temporary visa so that you can to get in line for the to, for the visa, okay? If that's gonna be the way you go, you have to do the other stuff first, you have to insist on the other stuff first because it won't happen otherwise. But the other thing is, right. Go, right. The, other, the other thing is, for me personally, I'm not against deportation. I'm not against saying the law is, if you come here illegally, we will deport you. And we will keep you deported. And we're going to build a fence and enforce our laws. <laughs> I feel like I feel like it's not. I think the idea of it, it might be interesting and attractive to somebody. I think it's too expensive and too complicated to do. The, but my my principles are not bound by my interests. Right. Isn't that what Glenn has been oh, talking about? Please. Yeah, no, I get it. I just <laughs> listen. But I think that you should be deported. I mean, oh, if I'm going to if I'm going to what if we just say. Get rid of field. Everybody else can stay. But I'm see. But here's here's not. I, I know you're you're having fun at my expense and trying to hurt my feelings. But I'm trying to stay on track, sort of. I'm not totally sold on the anchor baby argument because there's a there's a big case to be made, and Ann makes this case, Ann Coulter makes this case, that the anchor baby argument was a mistake within a Supreme Court decision, and I don't remember the name of the court decision. But if if a French diplomat has a baby in a U.S. hospital. If the French ambassador has a baby in the U.S. hospital, that baby is not an American citizen. That baby is a French citizen. So why why yes. is it illegal if they come across the border and have a baby here? Why is their child a citizen? Well, I think that is I think that is well, even if they weren't citizens, which I think is the issue with the the quote unquote dreamers. Right. It's the only country they've ever known, right? Yeah. I mean, and I know that that sounds very liberal of me, but. It, it's the only country they've ever known. They've only known America. They never knew the country their parents came from. I I just think it's complicated, and I feel like at this point we can talk about the different pieces of it, right, and debate it. But I think really what probably needs to happen to solve it is a middle ground approach, which to me would be what you said, which is doing all those things first and then coming up with the system that Obama had outlined, which a lot of conservatives – 
Samuel Rodriguez and you know, Pastor Rodriguez and a number of others right. were sort of on board with. That, to me, is the middle ground. I don't think it'll happen, but that's the middle ground. Right. <clears throat> but, you know, we could, there's a whole sorts of things that we can put into play, like the E-Verify and all that kind of stuff that would force, that would put the onus on employers. Now, the onus should be on the criminals, right? The criminals who are coming, that's where the onus should be. However, we should also put it on, you know, uh, employers that are hiring illegals, because that's a criminal thing, too. But you got to have the E-Verify, and we got to enforce that. You cannot be stealing people's Social Security numbers. And the... And Why? Go, and there are government agencies and there are big, or, well, I shouldn't say government agencies because we don't know that for a fact, but Terry Jeffrey, back when back at Human Events, Terry Jeffrey was doing these big reports <clears throat> on major employers in California and connected to the California government and other government organizations around the country that were the major source of mismatched names and social security numbers, which would be illegals using social security numbers they weren't supposed to be using. So if you want to get into that, look into human events and, and what Terry Jeffrey did several years ago on a bunch of reporting on that stuff. And they refused to talk. The court wouldn't allow the information to go out. The government And the government wouldn't reveal the information on who are these employers. It's a fair question to ask, but they wouldn't let the information out. Anyway, we've beat this dead horse. We must take a break. We, we must take a break. On the other side of this break, on the other, here's, a, here's a fun little new feature we might just implement. Billy Hallowell's Outrage of the Week. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. We haven't created any little bumpers or stingers. We will. So we will. We may have to create something. So uh, right after this, we'll get into Billy's Outrage of the Week. Back to the church board. One of the uh, really cool things about our show that I love is getting interesting people in. We had Candace Cameron Bure last week. We've, we always have good people. And this week we have somebody who may not be a household name, but the work he's doing has become, for, for many, especially Christian and or conservative families, has become um, work that is well-known. God's Not Dead, for instance, was a huge movie last year. I think he said it was the biggest um, non-action independent film. And, and the he that I'm talking about uh, is David A.R. White. David A.R. White. He's an actor. He's done a lot of different you know, faith-based films over the years. He founded Pure Flix Entertainment along with a number of other guys. And he was the driving force behind God's Not Dead last year. He's also in God's Not Dead. He played uh, a reverend in that movie. Now, he's gearing up. In fact, they just finished uh, God's Not Dead 2, and uh, that movie will be coming out next year, and, and we really got a good probably half an hour, Chris and I, to talk or with him God's, today. God's Not Dead dose. It's actually called God's Still Not Dead, and probably won't be tomorrow. <laughs> God's Not Dead. <laughs> anyway, it was a great interview. We had we had a lot of fun with him, and, and he's a great guy, and in fact, his wife, have you, you know who's, have you met his wife? Did you say I've you not met, met his okay. wife, I have not. She's beautiful, by the way. Yeah, and she's she, hilarious. But she was in, um, the mom's movie, Mom's Night Out. Mom's Night Out, and she yeah. she played Izzy. Izzy. The reason I remember that is because that's my daughter's name, the one who was lost at Silverwood. Well, the one who was standing <laughs> exactly where she was supposed to and Daddy was lost <laughs> at Silverwood. Izzy. So anyway, uh, what was I going to say? Anyway, uh, awkward transition. Billy, <laughs> what is your outrage of the week? Well, you know, I wrote another open letter. Oh, um, yeah, on, fr on Friday, 
Um, and, you know, we've been covering this story and I feel like and we always joke because lately all that's happening in the news and in faith and culture has been gay marriage and how that's going to in, uh, in, you know, infect affect <laughs> however you want to look at it. Businesses, organizations and and this particular story about the bakers, Aaron, Melissa, Aaron and Melissa Klein, who we actually had on the show. Time out, time out, time out, time out. You wrote an open letter. I did. Have you done that before? I have. Oh, OK. Did you express an opinion? I did. Okay. I just got just checking. So anyway, back to your. <laughs> I did. And, you know, that's sort of rare that, you know, I mean, because we're covering this story all the time, but it's one of those issues where at some point you look at it and you say, okay, th this needs a deeper analysis that is not able to be done in the realm of front page, you know, news, quote unquote, uh, reporting. And so what what we've what we've done is we've also produced a story this week that looks at one of the lies about the clients that's been perpetuated perpetuated in in media and i think particularly raw story was one of the outlets and i you know i say the word lie they claim it was an accident that they didn't read the order properly and that order that i'm talking about is the order that oregon gave in which the clients were basically said told that they needed to pay $135,000 to this lesbian couple who was denied a wedding cake so that one wedding cake that denial cost $135,000 $35,000 for this ridiculous. family. Well, and it's and it was a lie. And that's the fact. They can say they can say that they misread it because when they changed their story, when they changed the story and updated the raw story updated their story, they changed their headline kind of. Well, and what the lie was because I didn't even totally get, get into that. You should get into that, that but we were, need to they, point out that raw story is not being honest here either. Well, and I think right. And I so the bottom line is they were fined for denying the cake, the family, right? They the the couple came in Right. The family said, we're Christians, we don't want to make the cake. That was the denial that led to the 135000 But Raw Story published a piece on Friday that said that it was the, the Christian bakers had published on Facebook the address of the lesbian couple, their home address and their home phone number, and that that's why they were fined $135,000. That is not true. Um, when you read the order, that was a tiny little detail, in, and it wasn't in the order. It was in background information. It pops up in that documentation the claim that the family had published the address, that the Christians had published their address. But when you tell the full story and you talk with the bakers about it, it's it wasn't that they published the address. What they had published, I mean, technically, yes, but what they had published was the official complaint that the couple had waged. In that complaint was their address. They, when they filed it, they apparently allegedly didn't realize that, oh, when I file this, my address will become public, whatever address I put in there. So the bakers were upset when they got this in the mail, and the husband posted a message on his Facebook page, which, by the way, was only a month old, so he barely had any friends. Right. And on there he posted, and he said, hey, this is what happens when you don't make a cake for a gay couple. And he attached the legal document, according to what he says, in that document – was the address. So it wasn't like, here's the address, go harass these people. It was, here's the document. Now he removed that and apologized the next day. So even if, so none of this is true. I mean, that's the bottom right. line. And they right. were not given a judgment based on that. Right. The, the fact is that he did post, technically speaking, their address, but yes. not with the purpose of, of posting their address. He accidentally posted their address because it was part of a larger document that he posted. And the punishment that they received or the fine they received had nothing to do with the posting of the address. Right. Yet the left wants to play it up as, hey, this is, this is a justified fine. And that's their point in doing this. It's like, this is a justified fine. We're going to, you know what? You guys are actually correct on the religious freedom side, but 
uh, this is being put, this is being done. And they had to find some sort of legal excuse for doing this. Don't you think? Is that part of it? Oh, well, listen, even if it was a mistake, at the end of the day, and Aaron Klein, the husband the of the baker, said this. Right. This becomes case law. I think so. I think everybody wants, oh, look past it. Don't worry about it. It wasn't about the denial. It was about the fact that they posted an address, which, again, is not true. But if everybody looks past that and allows this to become case law, well, then exactly. it's case law. Right. And this is the precedent moving forward. Right. And so, yeah, I think there's definitely an effort. Um, and here's the part it's that the, makes if, me sort of. If, if it's at least an effort to obfuscate, right? Right, because nobody wants to talk about the fact that the denial uh, is what is costing this family $135,000. And if that is where we're going to go with this, this is going to be a big problem for any business that serves weddings who doesn't. Now, listen, would I make the cake? I don't know. I, I, God, to I me, I, I see I wouldn't eat anything you made. What? Yeah, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't eat, eat anything you I made, made either. <laughs> But I don't think that's the point. Everyone everyone in this, oh, would I make the cake? Would I not make the cake? And when we interviewed Candace Cameron last week, she said, you know, I might have handled this totally differently, the cake. She's like, I don't know. I might have handled this differently, but that's not the point. The point is exactly. these people felt like this was a violation of their faith. They did not want to endorse the wedding, and therefore they didn't. Should that cost $135,000? And by the way, if they did post the address, should that cost $135,000? let us say they posted it maliciously. Is that a $135,000 crime? Is that even a crime? Right. Well, and, and yeah, it's, I don't, I don't know if it's a crime or not, but I could see the ad, the publishing of the address could at least justify some sort of fine. I would, right. I would suppose if your intent Although, was to wait, get them, wait, if wait. your intent was to get them harassed, that would be illegal. I agree. If you post but it, say wait. harass these people because they're being mean to me and here's their address. Okay. Then you're, Which is then you're what talking happened, something illegal. Wait a minute, but that's kind of what happened to the Kleins. Somebody posted somebody ended up posting their address as a result of this and said, let's and we actually and I didn't include the screenshot, but I've seen the screenshot of this from Facebook that was apparently removed. And it didn't say go harass them, but it, it basically said and I'm trying to actually have the line, the text in front of me. Um, let's see here, because I actually it says, let's hope that this is the right info and let's get it out there like they did Laurel's. And Laurel is one of the women right. in this case. Um, and look, I'm not I'm not going after this couple. If they felt that they were discriminated against and they waged a complaint, I will say they've been very quiet in media from what I've seen, the couple. They're not going that's, out well, and looking smart. for media. And you know what? Here's here's part of the reason that they're being quiet, I think. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm totally screwy on this. They had... They're getting the the fine is one hundred thirty five thousand dollars and it's sixty thousand for one of the ladies one of the lesbian the the lesbian couple the two ladies in the lesbian couple one of them gets sixty thousand the other gets seventy five thousand right yes okay is the one who's getting sixty thousand getting fewer dollars is she getting a lower amount because of the fact that she also lied during the proceedings. Well, and, and this is the thing. I'm very careful about how I talk about them because I don't want to throw them under. I know that the, I think the reaction everybody has is let's, you know, one, one side wants to throw the Christians under the bus. The other side wants to throw the lesbians under the bus. At, at this point, yes. Apparently in that documentation, it does say that some of the testimony was very highly emotional and exaggerated from that individual. She also wasn't there, though. I think that's the biggest piece. She wasn't there at the time of the refusal. So they're giving her less, I believe, because of that as well. So there, there were some issues with exaggeration on some stories that didn't allegedly didn't add up. But there was also that, well, she wasn't there. The other woman was right. there. So she gets a little bit more. Okay. 150000 was the initial call, and it went down to 135000 I mean, look, th- this couple, again, they were entitled to publish their complaint or to, to wage their complaint, but it became public. So, 
you know, when we're talking about an address being published, again, it's just not true. I keep getting people on my Facebook page, and that's why I'm so outraged. Oh, no, you're wrong. You haven't read the order. Uh, I've read the order. I've reported on it, and now I've written the letter, and now I've done another story to show how ridiculous you're being. Open your eyes. And the get some reading comprehension, people. And the people who broke the story have changed their have changed the story because of the fact they were incorrect. Can I can I actually read something? Because I, this is their correction, which I think is extremely, extremely important. You're talking Give about me one okay, it Ross, says, Ross Story's it, correction? Ross Story's correction. Okay. An earlier version of this article contained a significant error that resulted from failure to distinguish the difference between the agency's recommendation, it was a recommend, part of the recommendation, the address, and the commissioner's final ruling that bakers were not as previously reported punished for threats by others against the couple, as the agency had recommended. They were ordered by the commissioner to pay damages to the couple for emotional harm caused by their unlawful discrimination. There was, and that's the end of the quote, but there was a proposal in the beginning to also find them over the media coverage, since the Christian bakers were very open in media, went out and talked about this, that that created undue stress for the for the lesbian couple. Right. I hate to say, I'm describing everybody, lesbians, Christians, but that's just the easiest way to... Right. Well, everybody knows what you mean. You're not degrading, right. not degrading anybody by saying that. You're aptly right. describing. Um, so, you know, there you go. But And also, I spoke with... I got a statement from Charlie Burr, who is with the Oregon Bureau of Labor and Industries, who told me yesterday in an email, quote, the damages are outlined in the order and directly relate to the couple suffering as a result of the denial of service and unlawful discrimination. No damages were awarded as a result of any media coverage. There you go. Boom. Suck it, Trebek, or whoever your criti critics are. I, I honestly can't handle... Well, it's just, I mean, this is... It's crazy. Okay, so now... I'm I'm getting into I'm I'm bird walking here, okay? But it does that's one of the things about that social media that just it just pisses you off, right? It just frustrates you. And and that this dumb goes, people have access to it too, yes. Yes. And it goes to it's <laughs> it goes it, this is true of Blaze fans and Blaze critics, right? We get we as writers from time to time get fed up with ridiculousness we see online yes. in response to stories, whether on Facebook or the comment section on the blaze or whatever, both from people who would say they agree with us and people who would say they disagree with us. Totally. And so there will be time for, from time to time you'll say in a joking way, because you don't really mean this because we don't hate anybody. And, and, no. and the fact is as much as we want to play haters on podcast, on a podcast or on television, we don't really hate anybody because the hate is not part of my life. That's just not how I choose to live. And I don't hate anybody, but we'll say from time to time, oh, I hate our commenters or I hate our readers just because of the fact that you got to deal with, you know what? I wrote something and this is what I meant by this, but it's, but it was taken this way. So now I got to go change this and I'm being constantly criticized. And the facts are we've got received more facts on this story, but not everybody's caught up. So they're incorrect in their criticisms and that sort of thing that so we, So we'll say something like, oh, I hate our readers, but, but we don't really mean that we hate our readers, right? No, it's, totally, as, it's totally. often as much our fault as it is anybody else's fault because of the way that we wrote something or the way that we put something out there definitely, or the definitely. context in which it was put out there. 
No, definitely. And I think, you know, a lot of times what's not being said is the most important thing. And in this particular story that the fact check that we're talking about now, we noted that this family has raised three hundred and forty eight thousand dollars as of you know this morning um, and that they're going to be able to pay that hundred and thirty five thousand in past stories. I hadn't put that in that they had raised money mm-hmm. and it wasn't to, to shield that. I think that that's an important detail. You have to be right. fair to both sides. And the right. fact is. Aaron and Melissa Klein are not going to go bankrupt. There was a time where they didn't have the money and they hadn't raised that money and it was concerning, but it doesn't solve the overall issue of whether or not these fines should be exactly. waged because the next family isn't going to have a crowdfunding campaign to protect right. them probably. Right. right. So, and, and so I, I say all that and I, I follow that with, and this is completely off topic mostly, the Ariana Grande controversy about how she hates Americans. Wasn't it Ariana Grande who said yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. With her ponytail. Yeah. So... I I don't give her a pass on the licking of the donuts. That's just a dick move. I would have whatever. eaten them yeah, first. I, of I also all. would have eaten them too. Absolutely, because I'm a pig. <laughs> but I I don't give her a pass on that because you're destroying somebody else's property. But the uh, you have to be careful as a celebrity when you say anything. Period. But which is I hate America. I hate Americans. I don't think that that's what she meant. Right. I really don't. I think that she was. It was. Is a time to be kind of, quote, funny with a friend. I don't think she believes that. In the same way that we'll say something like, oh, I hate our readers. We'll say it like that. Or I make Italian jokes. I'm Italian, so I can't. And I think that she's just, it's one of those moments where like, this is an example of our excess, or this is an example of our stupidity as a people, right? And I'll say the same thing about, you know, you know, evangelicals because there'll be a there'll be a group of evangelicals that go out and do something silly that's kind of embarrassing and i'll say i just hate evangelicals i hate christians <laughs> because of the fact that i don't really hate christians but it's just like oh, this thing right here is an example of when when sometimes i'm embarrassed of the people that are my people right right no, and, totally. I, and, to, and i could understand area because the fact is she's sitting in a donut shop when she makes the comment about fat americans with donuts every time you talk <laughs> about a donut i'm thinking about going down the road I to know. get an oreo donut oreo donut and they also have chips ahoy and believe it or not, the chips ahoy is like out of this world wait, delicious. Wait, it grossed it, me what, out at first and now where I want is one. this duncan Dunkin' donuts Dunkin has Dun- them oh, so we don't have a Dunkin' donuts around here we don't have yeah any that's donuts. all we, we have we there's have like any donut two of them nearby well, I agree. And I think all of this, look, you don't have to agree with the family, the, the bakers on this. You can think they were wrong, that they right. discriminated, that it was awful, that they even deserve the fine. But at least get the information yes. right. Right. Get the information and I, right. And including if you're a commenter, get the information before you open your trap. Get the information right. And look, we're humans too. We're gonna, we make mistakes sometimes, you know, reporting yeah. a story because we don't have all the information. And later on, you, fi- you, you get all the information together. Hopefully, you go into the story with it all, but you don't always have it all. The only place where I don't have a requirement that the people get the information right would be this show. <laughs> <laughs> and, speaking- and, and I want to say one thing. Okay, do it. And then I'm done about okay. this, and we can I move on it. to our interview. Okay. But I think I, I'm calling people dumb and stupid, and I'm, I'm sort of joking partially about that. The document was 122 pages long, and it was confusing because all of these things are in, in a, the first chunk of it, yeah. all these allegations. It's a he said, she said. Um, and so it gets confusing what, what's a recommendation versus the order. But if you want to look at the document, you read under the part that says order, and it mm-hmm. will tell you what they were fined for there. Yeah. So there you all go. Right. All right. So when we come come back... Speaking of not embarrassing, is uh is David A. R. White, and he's going to talk about um 
his new film that's out and film in general and Hollywood and Christian movies and how Christian movies have changed and used to be something we're embarrassed of, but now we don't have to be. And so we will get to that uh, right after this. We'll be right back. The Church Boys. The Church Boys. Man, I hate these guys. Hey, guys. It's Chris Field. Want to have pillow talk? Okay, so here's the, when you do that, I have to, so I'm pointing with my other hand because I had to point with the board over here because I could see Billy's just about to do something horrendous to his microphone. See, well, I was going to the, the Lila After Dark pillow talk thing, but I stopped myself. Delilah After Dark. Um, so, she had, were you just singing? So, Delilah, I think it's Delilah, does a really good, sometimes, when Christmas season rolls around, she'll do like Christmas shows. I can't. <laughs> okay, go I ahead. Can't. Dear Delilah, you and your I lost my kitty cat last night. <laughs> um, I hope anyway. somebody ran over it. That's what I hope. <laughs> Cats are useless. Useless. Oh, they're awful. Oh, they're, they're I hope we the, just offended you of, if you're they, listening they because are cats of, are absolutely awful. They, are of they the don't devil. even belong in zoos. They, no. they're, they're horrible. They're wild. They're wild. They lick themselves, They but they take show care quote, of themselves. They don't mean. even belong in zoos. That'll be the, t- the show headline. <laughs> I'm writing so, it down now. They don't even belong in zoos. Do it because it's the truth. They belong in like every time I think of a cat, I think of a, a, all right, I'm going to stop. The bottom line is we have a great interview for you today. <laughs> and it's David A.R. White, as I mentioned earlier, actor, producer, co-founder of Pure Flix Entertainment. I'm not going to go on and on and on. I'm going to tell you it's a great interview. Uh, we ask him a really, I think, intriguing question that Christians probably have a variety of answers to, but is Hollywood anti-Christian? That's one of the many things we talked to him about. Chris, roll it. And action. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, here we go. Hey, it's Billy Hollowell. I'm here with Chris Field. And today we have uh, a great guest on. It's David A.R. White, actor, producer, founding partner of Pure Flix. How you doing, David? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming on. So, you know, we it's been a while since I, I think you and I have actually talked. I, we talked a lot. Uh, I believe it was probably right after God's Not Dead came out uh, last year. And now you guys you guys are working on a sequel right now. And I have a million questions. And I'm sure there's you know some things that you probably can't say um, about, about the sequel. But, yeah, I wanted to just dive right in and ask you a question. And, and, and I don't know, again, how much you can tell us. But Knowing that this is coming out and it's Easter time next year, right? That this will release. That is correct. Yep. What What can you tell us um, without giving too much away about what people, what audiences can expect from this film? Um, we really wanted to obviously following up God's Not Dead is a difficult. <laughs> it wasn't that easy to do, um, but we we really wanted to to serve our audience um, with you know, what they, what they enjoyed from the first movie, but at the same token, take it to a step further and, and make it something different, you know, not that they weren't watching the same movie. So that was important to us. Um, so we got a whole, you know, a whole group of uh, new cast coming in. We brought a few of the old ones back. Um, and then, you know, and then the story progresses in a new way. Oh, cool. So some of the old, so there'll be a little bit of, of carryover from the first film then. With some characters. Correct. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. There's probably about four recurring characters from the first movie. And then, um, and then we bring in a whole new, new group of characters from the, first, uh, into the second one. 
Was it hard to, I mean, because like you were sort of saying, you want to give some, you want to give audiences something new. You want it to be different from the first film in some ways, but then also I would imagine hold on to some of the sentiment of what the first film um, brought. And so how, how did you guys balance that? You know, what was the process of trying to figure out the best script that could do both of those things? Yeah, I mean, it was a balance, you know, um, for us, it, it builds on, you know, we still have Reverend Dave and Jude, uh, together. Reverend Jude shows up, uh, again. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and once again, Reverend Dave is put in a position that, that I play Reverend Dave. So <laughs> that's why I'm talking about Reverend Dave too much. Uh, you know, he's put in a position of, um, um, being at the right place at the, you know, at the, at the right time, but, feeling like he's been put on a shelf again. And then, and then we see, you know, how, uh, once again, God works, you know, God has it all orchestrated, um, you know, for such a time as this. And so we pick up the first movie. Um, uh, this movie is, is really centers around this, um, female teacher, um, in a high school, and she's trying to just answer a question about, uh, you, you know, uh, one of her students asks a question about Gandhi and Martin Luther King, and then Jesus brings Jesus in. And so she, being a believer, ends up answering this question, you know, um, as authentically as possible um, without bringing her beliefs into it or whatever. But the questions keep coming and uh, some parents catch wind of this and end up actually taking her to court over this. And so. We're, this we're sounds like real the, life, kind of. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it is. I mean, that's the thing. Obviously, these stories, you know, they're a lot inspired from, you know, just what is going on in the news. And uh, and so, you know, we're taking it from, in the first one was, you know, uh, a kid defending his faith in a college setting, in the university setting, to now it's the public forum. And so it's in the courthouse. So, so, um, so yeah. So, David, <laughs> when, you, when you create a movie like this... Um, do you bring in outside sources like, you know, uh, the, the Liberty folks, uh, uh, Shackelford's group, Billy? I'm oh, Liberty, dr- Liberty Institute, Liberty yeah. Council, right. ADF, any of those groups? Do you bring in those groups yep. to help yeah, you make these yeah. movies? We do. Yeah, we work a lot with ADF. Um, and, uh, and, you know, and, and definitely talk to the others as well. And, um, yeah, because we want it to be as authentic as possible and, you know, that we're not just contriving these things and, you know, and trying to create controversy. That's not at all what we're trying to do, but what we are trying to do is tell it from the conservative perspective, um, which, you know, oftentimes gets, gets overlooked. And I think that's why the first one was really, a um, such a success is because people feel like, you know, a lot of times the conservative voice isn't really heard that much. Mm. Um, you know, it's overshadowed a lot by what the media is pumping in and, and it's more often than not, that's not the conservative voice. Let me ask you this question about about atheists, because, of course, you know, a lot of atheists said the first one they felt, oh, well, you know, it, it stereotyped atheists and blah, blah, blah. I mean, there are a lot of critiques from, you know, obviously, and that's going to happen in a situation like that. When you guys were putting this together, did any of the critiques um, that people had play into how you approached it the second time around? I our our hope is that we're as balanced as possible, but told from, uh, you know, told definitely from our uh, perspective from um, from believers, you know, based on Judeo-Christian values. And so, but at the same token, we still want to show, you know, um, the different sides and try to be fair. I mean, I, I don't think, 
that we were, you know, um, too unfair in the, in the, in the first one. I think a lot of people said it was very balanced, you know, and they appreciated the fact and what they really felt was why they connected so much of the first one was that it was, um, that they were real arguments and that we didn't just sugarcoat everything and, you know, and, and try to just make things easy. Like we really tried to bring up the other side and, and serve it, um, equally. Well, yeah. And I think too, you know, when you're, when you're talking about, and I remember one of the critiques was about Dean Cain's character and how he was callous and whatever about, you know, about, about his girlfriend's cancer, if I remember correctly. But you know, when Mm -hmm. you're making a movie, I would assume it's sort of like, I mean, you're not going to make this compa- it's extremely compassionate um, atheist, even though I actually think the cancer patient was a really you could really sympathize with, with her in that movie. And it's just interesting how people critique things. But I was curious to know, you know, did any, did any of that come into play? And I mean, I thought the atheist characters were not all the same in the first movie. I thought that they had different attributes and they were Lots interesting. of different colors. Yeah, right. there's a lot of whole lot of different colors, as were the Christians in that in the first one, too. You know, we don't all paint. The, the Christians being, you know, completely having it all together. In fact, a lot of them didn't, you know, his parents in the first one, they didn't, they didn't have it together. In fact, they were the ones and his girlfriend telling him, don't do that. Whatever you do, just, just lay over and go away. But so you can get your grade, but whatever you do, don't stand up and, you know, face, right. face you know, Goliath, so to speak. So, um, have yeah. you guys so started trying, filming? You know, have you started filming? Yet? Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. We just wrapped actually. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, we've been filming, um, for the last couple of months. And so, uh, we just finished and, um, we're excited. I mean, it, we really think we, we, we captured something, uh, the heart of, of what God's not dead is and, um, and excited to share it with the world in March. I don't know how public all, all the cast members are. I, I know who some of them are. Can you, what can you share as far as who's in this? And, and yeah, and I, I mean, I don't know if you can, if you're able to do that, but would love to have you do that now just to give people an idea of what they can expect from the cast. Sure. Yeah. I'm Melissa Joan Hart, um, stars in the second one. Um, we also have Jesse Medcalf, um, uh, Ray Wise, uh, Ray's been a friend of ours. He's been, you know, he's done several films with us before. He's terrific. Uh, also Robin Givens, um, Ernie Hudson, um, Haley Orencio from, uh, the, uh, the Goldbergs. <laughs> <You guys laughs> Eric Goldberg, the Goldberg. And, uh, and then we, um, uh, which I was so excited about because my, my kids, you know, you know that's, that's a show that we all watch and, and, uh, and laugh about the whole, you know, thing about the eighties. And so, um, I had this picture with Erica Goldberg or, or Haley, actually, sorry. But, um, and my son goes, where's Beverly? <laughs> because Beverly <laughs> plays his mother on the show. <laughs> so, which I thought was so bizarre. <laughs> uh, my son's nine, you know? Um, so, uh, and then we have Sadie Robertson again from, from the duck dynasty group. Um, and, um, I'm trying to think who else we got, you know, we've had Sadie on the whole... church voice too. We've had, so this is good. There's good connections here. <laughs> Yeah, lots of lots of new stars. That's for sure. Um, coming into this one, you know, and then and then the returning cast members are uh, myself and um, uh, Ben, who plays Reverend Jude, and uh, the the woman playing Amy, Trisha. Um, she's coming back again, and also Paul Quo, who plays um, who plays uh, 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 my gosh, what's the I know his name, but I know his actor's name, but I can't think of his character's name right now. Anyway, listen, I'll give you a pass. Is it Yep? You're pretty exhausted having just wrapped. (laughs) Yeah. 
you know, when it comes to, and, and I think one of the things that surprised a lot of people, you know, Martin, Martin, he plays Martin. Martin, Sorry, there, there we go. go, there we go. <laughs> I love it, I love it. Well, you know, one of the things that I think surprised people, the supporters, the people who maybe, you know, didn't like it because they're not going to like any Christian movie, really, um, was how well it did. I mean, the first movie did so well. What was the total that you guys ended up bringing in? I think we brought in uh, close to 63 million wow. U.S., that's crazy. So, yeah, it was the number one um, live action independent movie of the year last year. That is crazy. Um, are there, I, you know, I know, and I know this is sort of like the, the question that uh, I'm sure is in everybody's minds. Are there fears that you are there? I guess, is there a goal to hit that again? Um, are there fears that you won't? You know, how do you guys sort of go into it? Because you weren't expecting ever probably to get to 63 million you know how are you sort of approaching this as as the uh, release approaches um i think we're expecting that you know that that uh obviously because people love the first one so much that they'll come up come out to see the second one um whether or not they go back again you know to see it multiple times that's a question that you know remains to be seen but we believe that they will um uh because we have really you know it's the same writers the same group produced the movie and and uh you know not a lot switched up other than, you know, with the new storyline, of course. Um, but we really felt like we served the audience in the second one and, and, um, we're excited. I mean, we're very expectant. Um, but at the same token, you know, you kind of just, uh, you, the box office is, um, you know, we never before lived on a box office and, uh, and we don't live on them now. So, you know, it's, a it's however the Lord deems it, you know, to do. And when we're okay with that, we just give it our best. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think one of the things I, I might have asked you this before, but I always love to ask anybody working in Hollywood this is, you know, is Hollywood is Hollywood hostile towards Christians? And I think that's sort of the loaded big question. And I just wanted to throw it out to you. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't like to talk about discrimination too much. I think there's so much of, you know, uh, discrimination in our in our country. And it's such an ugly, um, I don't know, emotion. Would you say it's an emotion? I don't know whether that's an emotion or not, but I think it can, but, I think um, it can be, it, it definitely, it definitely it sparks emotion. fuels hatred and it fuels. Yeah. I mean, it fuels just, just all the ugly emotions. Let's just say it that way. So I don't want to say that, uh, to walk around that, that saying, Hey, we're a victim, uh, from discrimination. And, um, I try to avoid that because I, I think, Sure. There's no doubt about it. I'm sure people don't like what we do. There's, of course, we get a lot of hate emails. So, you know, people feel free to tell us that they don't like what we do. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, PureFlix is the reason why we started PureFlix 10 years ago was to be able to make these films that uplift and inspire the human spirit to bring people to higher levels of insight to who God is and the purpose that he has for their lives. And we did it and we became a distributor. We were a production and a distribution studio. So we don't have to be driven by what Hollywood agrees or disagrees with us. And so there's a, there's a big freedom in that, um, that we're not, you know, we, nobody's telling us, Hey, you can't put this in your scripts or we're not going to distribute this. Um, and that's what we're, you know, we recently just launched our SVOD platform at pureflix.com, um, like Netflix, but it's just all faith and family, uh, streaming. And, um, you know, the response has just been overwhelming. And, and that's what I think is most important is that there's are there people supporting what we do? Yes. And, um, you know, and and 
like when they go to the theaters and when they, uh, you know, log into pureflix.com, they're basically casting a vote saying, you know, we support this content and we want more of it. And I think Hollywood is starting to realize that whether they like it or not, you know, they've started now with eighth division in almost every studio, right, every main right. studio. Yeah, no. And, and I think a lot of, I mean, you talk about the year of the Bible, I think God's not dead was the, the top of that, you know, and really the disappointing part of the year of the Bible for a lot of people, I think was that some of the movies that came out from the bigger studios were not really all that great. Um, you know, not that, and there's a big debate about that, whether or not Noah and all that was, was worth going to see for, for believers. But I think you guys did what you know, Christians wanted to see. And of course, there's always going to be people who love it and don't like it, even in that circle. But what I think is so interesting about Pure Flix and, and you as one of the founding members of Pure Flix is where you guys are going now. And you just mentioned the service that you guys launched. What else is sort of in the works and what do you see as the future of filmmaking for Pure Flix? Well, this, this year was a big year. You know, we had a goal of taking four movies out theatrically. And so we're on, you know, we're rounding. We just finished uh, our third movie out was called Faith of Our Fathers, which was a smaller movie um, that came out right at, on July 1st, you know, obviously right in the hotbed of, of you know, all the tent, studio tent poles. So, um, but, uh, and then we have our next one coming out. It's called Woodlawn. It comes out in September. And um, uh, that's a big movie. It's, it's, uh, it's a great football movie. And, and I think, you know, audiences will really be drawn to it. And so, um, the theatrical side is just growing with Pure Flix. We, we, we uh, feel it's very important to reach a broader audience in the theaters. Um, before we were making, you know, when we started, obviously we were making a lot of uh, DVD and TV movies, and then we had gone to, um, you know, even showing them in, in the church arena. And, uh, and then the, the natural progression was then to take it to theaters. And so that's expanded. And then, of course, this uh, PureFlix.com now is the, the how you can watch Pureflix movies and and um, you know the best of faith and family movies twenty four seven three hundred sixty five days a year. I mean, it doesn't sound like you guys are very busy. <laughs> Be, clearly no, we have really nothing to do. <laughs> and it's funny because you guys, it, it's like I feel like Pureflix has taken over the Church Boys because we had Kevin Downs and Cy right. um, down to the office. Was that last week or the week before to talk about Faith of Our Fathers? Oh, good. And I know the Irwins really well. I'm friends, really good friends with John. And so, you know, I know about Woodlawn. I think that's going to be a movie that a lot of people are just completely blown away by. So I'm excited to yeah. see how that how that goes. And then you'll have another one. You'll have God's Not Dead uh, 2, <laughs> which is crazy. So what, is there anything else you want people to know maybe about the film specifically that maybe we haven't talked about? Um, I don't I don't think so. Right off the top of my head, you know, I just... um. I just, you know, I'm always the first to say, you know, we want to say thank you so much for, for the people that have gone out and supported these, these films in the theaters, um, because it is, it's so important and it does send messages obviously to Hollywood and to everybody else and, um, to theater owners to have more of these films in it, you know, and, and it was a little disappointing, I think toward the end of the year, you know, cause a lot of the films, uh, faith-based films didn't end up um, doing much box office. And I don't know specifically what the reason was for that. You know, those weren't our films, but, um, you know, the goal is that we have more and more content and obviously the landscape has been shifting with, with faith and, and, uh, with faith films, um, in the marketplace. And so, you know, that's a great thing. Is it all right if I jump in here? Jump in, Chris, go for it. I didn't mean to interrupt, but (laughs) David, I wanted to ask you a lot of times when we've talked to people who have done, um, 
faith-based uh, television shows or movies or whatever, they have mentioned that there has been something that has happened to them or people that they've worked with at, while they've made it that was a life changer for them or for that, that friend that they worked with. Anything, any stories you can give us on the God's Not Dead uh, 2 front on those kinds of stories? I, we love to hear those kinds of things. I, I love to hear about what the movie's about and the, and, the, and the work that you've got, and it is your own mission field, and I think that's fantastic. I like to get into what life is like in the pop culture area where you are. And so anything you could tell us about um, lives being changed with this new God's Not Dead movie or things that you saw happen that were pretty, you know, definitely God moments? Yeah, I mean, I think it's early. Obviously, we went through production and, and um, um, our crew members, we saw a lot of just um, uh, some neat stories that happened with the crew. And I and what we really try to do on Pure Flix is not only to be, you know, uh, administering in front of the camera and what comes out, but also behind the camera and, and how we treat our employees and, and, um, you know, and, and the crews that we're working with and even, you know, in the cast and everything. And so we try to make those, those shoots as, uh, as seamless as possible and treat people as, you know, as, as how we would want to be treated. And so, um, you know, we just had another successful shoot, uh, people, uh, loved working on it and, um, you know, we're grateful for what God has given to us and we want to give to others as well in the same way. And so, you know, from the first movie, we got such an outpour of just emails and tweets and letters and just, you know, there were so many, obviously we're excited for how the second movie will go and encourage people as well. I mean, people from, you know, uh, I, I mean, I have so many stories, but the one that, that, one of them that had stuck in my mind was there was a girl that was on the verge of committing suicide and, and she was cutting herself and she had, she went to the first film and she walked out of there and she really felt God's love through, through for the first time in her life. And she felt like she was able to, that it was the catalyst to break that addiction wow. of cutting herself. And so, you know, when a 15 year old writes in and, and writes about that stuff, you know, you, you go, Oh my goodness. You know, obviously we're movie makers and we're just trying to use our gifts and our talents, you know, for God's glory. But it's neat to see how God uses these films and uses it to impact people's lives. And we had so many different stories about, you know, um, parents and kids who had gone off on their own, you know, through, through like different university settings and, and had been um, just gone away from their faith and gone away from their principles and, and through, through the first film had come back and, and renewed their relationship with their parents and with God. And so, you know, those things are, um, those are the most humbling because, uh, those stories are happening all over. I mean, God's not dead, you know, it's still, I think it's coming out, it's coming out theatrically right now in South Africa. We just came up, we were the number, I think we were in the top, oh gosh, top three movies in Poland theatrically for like 10 weeks. Wow. Um, <laughs> uh, just recently. And so, you know, it's been fun to watch how that movie is still spreading across the world in the theaters and, um, and impacting lives, you know, in every country in the world. Wow. I love it. And you get to do it. You get to do it all again now <laughs> with the yeah, second yeah, one. Yeah. Yeah. It's a blessing. So, so. let me ask you, let me ask you another question, David, on just on your career and things that you've done. You've done a whole, um, different types of bunch of different types of movies. And not counting, because you're, you know, we're talking about the God's Not Dead franchise, not counting the God's Not Dead franchise, what's kind of like the, the favorite movie you've done or the favorite type of movie that you've been a part of? Oh, wow. That's, I mean, I, I've really been blessed to do a lot of things, you know, um, 
it's interesting because I think obviously God puts dreams in your heart, you know, and, and when I went into the Hollywood system, I was on a sitcom out of the gate and, um, you know, and I was in that whole TV doing mainstream TV and all that stuff. And it was interesting cause I felt like, uh, I felt like I kind of got taken out of it in a way too soon. Mm-hmm. Like for whatever reason, you know, my career started to slow and God opened his doors to produce. And I always like, it's like, Lord, I, you know, I'll, 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 I'll go there and I'll do that. Um, but I'm not really a producer. And, you know, the irony is, is now however many years later, I've produced over 40 films and, um, and then in the midst of it, he still gave me my dream to be able to do these different films from action series. Like one of my favorite series of the revelation road series. I've done three of them. Right. Um, and, um, you know, I, uh, those are just like, they're like these mad max end of the world type movies. Um, and I love doing that kind of stuff. But then I've also been able to do like really zany comedy, like, uh, get a movie called Holy Man Undercover that I turned in from a, uh, a one man show or me again, or these brother white, you know, these, all these different comedies that I've been able to do as well. And, okay. and then on the flip side of not just acting in them, but the Lord has allowed me to dress them and write them and, and, um, you know, and then to produce them. And so, um, it's an interesting thing. It's just, I, I go back to this whole idea of, you know, whatever it is that God's put on your heart, just continue taking steps toward that. And you'll be amazed at what he does. And it's not always in our own, you know, in our own timing of what we think it's supposed to look like, you know, life is, is all about the unexpected and embrace that. And you'll be amazed at what happens. Well, you know, and as you were going through those movies, now Pure Flix, you, you guys were involved with, with um, Mom's Night Out, right? You, you yep. were the distributor, yeah. right? We were. My wife and I actually, um, I forget what movie it was, but we were on a date and we, you know, and we, we started talking and we actually came up with that concept um, about mothers taking a night off. And then we, you know, we actually commissioned the writer, Andrea Nashville, and we started working with her on that script. And so... Um, so that was a neat thing because my, my wife ends up playing Izzy, you know, she played Izzy in the movie. Yeah, she's great. She's um, great in that movie. She's very funny. <laughs> yeah, she's very quirky in that movie, you know, which is a different role for her. But, um, uh, but yeah, so it was neat, you know, because we, we, we developed that script um, and then Irwin came in and they really loved it and they took it, you know, to Sony and, and ended up making it. Um, so, yeah. So my que- my question for you, because I actually, I really liked the movie. I thought it was funny and it was great. And audiences really liked the movie. In fact, I was just, I'm, I'm working on a book and Mom's Night Out is, is talked about in this book and was looking still at the Rotten Tomatoes on that. The critics went after that movie in a bizarre way. I mean, it was, and we did stories on it at the time. What I'm putting you on the spot here, but why do you, why do you think that was? I mean, you had like 85% of the audience liking it at one point and... 10% of the reviewers. I don't know. I mean, I, uh, yeah, they butchered, they, they were not fair to that movie. I mean, no. they certainly, the movie resonated huge with people. Um, it's done very, very well. All of the world has done well. Um, and everybody who comes up to us always loves that movie, you know? So I think, I don't know. I just, I feel like it was, a. it had elements of the faith elements in it. You know, it was told from a Judeo Christian value system. And I think sometimes that ruffles the reviewers in the wrong way. And, you know, not, I don't know of any uh, Christian faith-based film that's been reviewed positively right. ever. I mean, I, don't, I can't think of one that, you know, that the reviewers loved because for whatever reason, they don't, 
you know. Well, David, uh, maybe they feel like there's an they feel like there's an agenda in there or whatever, but you know they don't normally get good reviews. Well, they love they love *Nymphomaniac*, <laughs> oh, which I think is hilarious. I mean, they love movies with those agendas, right? But they don't. It's just interesting to me. Well, David, David, you you perpetuated the patriarchy <laughs> with *Mom's Night Out*, so that was the problem. <laughs> Well, that was the thing. It was like they were calling it sex. I mean, it's bizarre. It's when you sexist. read the reviews, it's actually bizarre. That's, I mean, it, it, it is. It crosses some weird line of rash of rationality. But it does. But, and it, you read, and I was funny. It's funny because I was reading reviews from this one of the same people who reviewed Mom's Night Out, calling it sexist, and and she gave a review for *Nymphomaniac* and defended <laughs> the director against claims that he was sexist. I mean, it was crazy. It was crazy. I was like, is this happening right now? But um, and I can't imagine she gave *God's Not Dead* a very good review. Either. You know that. I didn't actually check that, but I will now. Oh man! So <laughs> That's David, actually, that would be interesting. There, another question I wanted to ask you, and this is about actors that, I, you know, I, I look at Mom's uh, Mom's Night Out, and I and I look and I go, "There's Sean Austin. That's Rudy doing a faith-based movie that I that I just absolutely love, or a Judeo-Christian value system movie, not necessarily faith-based, but whatever." And then I, and, and I look at something like a Stephen Baldwin. Now, one of my all-time favorite movies is Usual Suspects, and mm. right or right or wrong. Stephen is identified as you know uh, is a McManus on on Usual Suspects, but his life has totally changed, and now he's doing these other things. Uh, what are your thoughts on these actors who are who they're known for one thing that they were really they did a really really great job as in a couple movies that were just you know barn burners, and then we've got we've got now now they've taken a different tack and they've they've I don't know, to me they've taken a risk on. You know what? I'm going to do faith-based movies. I'm going to do movies with a positive message. So Sean Austin goes from being Rudy and, and Samwise Gamgee to being, you know, the guy on Mom's Night Out. And uh, is he on Woodlawn too? Yes. Yeah. He I, is. Yeah. I saw. Austin, I saw. Yep. Yeah. I saw. I saw a clip. I saw a clip of that too, which looks. I'm, I'm a uh, assistant football coach here in our small little town we live in, and I just absolutely am stoked about that movie. It just looks fantastic. But anyway. There are actors who are taking some risk. You know, a lot of people say you're such a brave actor for, you know, uh, Sean Penn playing Harvey Milk. Well, why is that a brave? That's not a brave role for Sean Penn. But for Stephen Baldwin <laughs> right, to go for expected role. Right. When Stephen, if Stephen Baldwin, yeah. Stephen Baldwin goes from doing the usual suspects, then Christ changed his life because, the, you know, the hound of heaven's been on his trail. And he goes and does these other things. Suddenly he's, he's just done cheesy roles or he's, you know, he's lost his career or whatever. Or same with, you know, maybe a Sean Astin where... He's gone from being Rudy to now he's doing these Mom's Night Out movies. It's like, how is that not a risk? He's taking a risk because he's saying, I'm going to stand for something. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> well, listen, <laughs> you know, we, uh, and I think, I think they probably, obviously, um, uh, whether or not people look at, there's obviously the stigma from Christian films that they used to be cheesy and they used to be, you know, just bad production, bad writing, right. bad everything, bad acting, right? And so, They've they've left that label on there, and then they probably slap that label on if somebody becomes like obviously Stephen Baldwin had a life changing experience, and so now he does a lot more Christian films, um, and so they probably slap that label on him uh, as in now he's just in cheesy films. But the problem is is that they don't actually look at the films and go, wow, you know what? There's actually a lot of artistic. You know, I don't know if you saw Faith of Fathers, but it's a really good movie. You know, there's a lot of art in it, in that movie. Um, yeah. And it's a great story, you know, and the same thing even with Mom's Night Out. Sure, that's probably a zany movie on a whole different spectrum. But uh, but there's, you know, there's still um, 
it's not like what they used to be years and years ago. Right. Like everything has gotten so much better in them. And so, yeah, you compare them now to with the movies today and, you know, you know, it's been fast. It's been fast. It's been fascinating to watch the change that has happened in the Christian movie world because the opposite has happened, I think, largely in the Christian music world, where it used to be production value was number one priority back in the 70s, 80s, even early, early mid-90s. Production value was huge, but now with the internet, anybody can record, a, record an album, you know, in their bathroom. And so production value right. has gone down, but movie making in the Christian world has actually has increased as far as the production value goes. It becomes become more worthwhile to watch, and you're not, you know, you're not shielding your eyes, you're not embarrassed, you're not wearing a disguise when you go to the movie theater anymore, right? Well, I think also people are are more artists, more Christian artists um, are okay with being, you know, uh, for whatever reason, they're okay with being a little bit more. Um, embracing their values sure. and putting those to screen. Well, listen, we have taken over a half an hour of your time, and we appreciate it. You have been great, and uh, we will definitely listen. We want to have you back when when the film is coming out, when we're closer to release. Um, we definitely want to have you back on to talk more. And Woodlawn, okay, definitely Woodlawn. Yeah, totally. All, All right, right, guys. Cool. Thanks it. a lot. All right, thank you. Have a great day. All right, bye bye. You too. Bye guys. <laughs> I love that Chris was like MIA until last. It was basically the inverse of our Mansfield interview <laughs> where I was MIA for 90% of it. And this I time just, Chris was until the end. But you came back with some good questions. I at the did. End I, of thought they were, I thought they were brilliant questions, actually. They were very good. You were just <laughs> waiting to seize upon the moment. Well, and you I, did. And so here's here's the here's the deal. I wanted you. I wanted him to have time to talk about the specifics of the movie or movies he's he's promoting. And I thought that was good. That's in the weeds for me. That's not. That doesn't, but we, when you talk about the larger picture and the movement within Hollywood and those sorts of things and what, what he's actually into, then I'm, then we're, then we're talking for me. Cause I want, no, the, I actually I liked your question better than anything else. Well, of course, you talked about. naturally. Well, so we, we also had another discussion off air, which I wanted to close with here as we close. And I think just looking at Christian film, I think it's sort of like Stockholm syndrome to a degree where yeah. you're kind of like. I've been beaten down with really awful, cheesy movies for so long. And I still, I love them. And I just keep loving them because Hollywood won't serve me anything else. So the people who are serving it, I love. Um, And I think Christian films have been hit with that forever. But they really have made leaps and bounds in the last couple of years. They really have. Starting with God's Not Dead. Well, they may have started before that. I can't come up with one for you. But maybe with the the movies. I was going to say the overall, you know, culture, you know, television and media, because the Bible series really forced people to go, whoa, there is a penny. There are pennies to be made, shekels to be earned from talking about the Bible and talking about it positively. Right. But as far as right. movies go, yeah, God, God's Not Dead is the first big one, really, right? I mean, isn't that right? I mean, that's what David Yeah, said. no, I think so. I mean, it, it made $63 million, he told yeah. us during the interview. So you think it probably cost, what, $2 million to make? I didn't ask him that, but I think it was $1 to $2 million to make. That's a huge profit, yeah. and I think... It was viral. I mean, that was like one of those movies that was kind of viral. Everyone was yeah. talking about it. You couldn't contain it, and it wasn't like mainstream outlets were going out of their way to cover it. Right. And so I, I thought that was good. I really liked the mom's not the mom's the mom's not dead. Love it. <laughs> mom's not dead. Mom's not dead. <laughs> it's, it's a new zombie. It's a new zombie series. movie coming out from David A. R. White. <laughs> mom's not dead. <laughs> Mom.
mom's not dead. I can't. So, oh my for God. the Mom's Night Out movie, I really loved, and I told David that. Um, but really, Christian music and Christian movies, and I said this in the interview, and I and I totally believe this. Christian movies have really up their game. They went from being finger paintings to being Picasso, which, you know, some people might argue that, finger pa- that Picasso is kind of some sort of finger painting anyway, but that we went from just kind of just, we're doing this because we kind of have to, and we'll support it because we have to, because Jesus would or whatever, to actually putting out films that actually matter and films that actually have a message that are worthwhile. And I, I think that's a, that's a good, that's a step in the right direction, right? I, yeah. Whatever. No, absolutely. And I think, People I wish, like I, David White. Go ahead. Now you you know what, Chris? You go ahead. I wish that Christian music would do the same thing. Well, like See, I said and in this the is where you and I part ways on I, this. I, I, I think I, Christian music is doing it. I think that Christian music has a lot of good stuff out there. But if you go back to and I remember listening to some different presenters talk about this and saying this they were saying the same things. And it was actually in magazines and that sort of thing in, in the early nineties music execs would talk about Christian music and they'd say, listen, it doesn't matter what the message is. The fact is that the best produced records out there are Christian records because they know that they have a limited audience, their message is really important, and they have limited finances. They're going to do the very best production they possibly can because they don't have the big money studios for the most part. And now anybody, like I said in the interview, anybody can, you you can make a record in your bathroom now. I mean, anybody can do it on GarageBand on their computer or, you know, whatever. So there's, I don't think that, and if you listen to, and you're going to criticize me for this, but I think that so much, this isn't just true of Christian music, modern pop music sounds the same. And that's one of my criticisms of Christian music is a lot of it just sounds so the same. Listen, am I into singing choruses in church? Yeah. The, 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 the modern contemporary music in church. Yeah. I drum, I'm a drummer. I play also in churches (laughs) and that's the, that's, I, I like that kind of worship music. But does a lot I, does a lot of it sound the same? Yeah, I just wish that no, we could increase our quality. No, I don't disagree with you. Uh, listen, I think K Love, for instance, provides. Uh, this is my assessment. I know you're rolling your eyes. I they, actually listen, think uh, he listen, actually is rolling his eyes. Okay, if K Love gives gives us a spot and we can have a spot on K Love for the Church Boys, then I'm a huge K Love fan. <laughs> but not until. Um, well, no, I think Caleb shows that the top 40 Christian is 50-50. I think 50% of it is really good and really great music. And I think 50% of it's not, um, you know, and, and that's sort of where I fall on it. But I think that that 50% that's solid and good, right. there's some really good um, artists and bands in that in that mix. There, there, are some very ta- there are some very talented ones. I'm just saying that the industry as a whole, the Christian music industry is – is doing is not doing the same thing that the Christian movie industry is doing. The Christian movie industry is actually upping their game and trending upwards. I don't. Agreed. I Agreed. can't say the same thing of the Christian music industry. I don't I think, think it's on an upward yeah. trajectory. I think there are some stellar bands and some stellar performers out there. Absolutely. I, absolutely. All right. You Toby what, Mac Chris? can produce the snot out of a record. Absolutely. Oh, and we're having Toby Mac. And I shouldn't promise this, but we are having him on the podcast sometime in the next month. And he's just such a liar. Just no, we are. In fact, I was supposed to meet with Toby lies. Mac today. You were, and then you canceled on him. Well, there's some reasons. It, it's all PR stuff in timelines. You know, sometimes it's just not. Yeah, I understand. Should I? I'm going to give the behind the scenes. It's not worth it to do an interview with somebody a month before it's going to come out. Sure. So there you go. We're going to do it over the phone. We're going to talk with him. I'm excited to. And um, there you go. There you go. Okay, good. Did you want? <laughs> 
So we can either end now, which would probably be the smart Let's thing to end do, or we could talk about Jim, Jim, Jim. We could talk about Jimmy Carter's interpretation of Christ's ministries. Basically, there are flies <laughs> buzzing around in that man's head. I cannot. <laughs> this is. Are we doing another outrage of the week? Is no, that what's we, happening? We don't here? have to. I'm not. Even I just t- remember no, I'm not how talking about it. Is I'm how pissed off you were when you first brought up this subject to me like a week ago. I'm not. I can't talk about it. Okay, so go to the blaze and find it. It's Jimmy Carter and Jesus loves gay marriage or something. I'm kidding. I shouldn't disrespect the office of the presidency. <laughs> You're not. He's not. A, he's not president. That's true. All right, read your Qurans and your Bibles. You're gonna get us firebombed. <laughs> not pa- I'm not Pamela Geller. <laughs> You're not nearly as good looking. <laughs> That's true. And read the blaze. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> bye bye.